as we have just sang. Lord, I pray that we just didn't say words. I pray that that was the meditation of our hearts. I pray that that was the overflow of our hearts. Lord, I just pray right now, as we look at your word, as we open up your word and see what you have to say to us, God, I pray that you speak. I pray that you speak to your people. I pray that their eyes and their hearts are open. I pray that you do surgery on us. God, our hearts, where it needs to... God, there are things that probably need to be purged. There are probably things that need to be strengthened. God, you, you alone can do that surgery. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, even though that surgery sometimes is painful, I pray that you do it and you receive glory from it. God, just be with us now as we look at your word and look what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we've been in the book of Daniel uh, for exactly one week now. So this is the second week. Um, and, and just so you know, I feel like I need to inform you of something that we're doing different in our children's department. Uh, we have changed the way that we do the lessons in our children's department. Previously, what we would do is we would be teaching the same lesson in the children's department that we taught out here. So the same passage of scripture would be taught in the children's department that would be taught out here. Well, we're doing that a little different in that we are one week behind in the children's department. So that makes it a little bit easier. If you are teaching in the children's department next week, pay close attention Take good notes because this is a lesson you'll be teaching next week in the children's department. So that way, it's in perfect alignment with exactly what's being taught out here. That way, it's a little bit easier for those that are teaching back there. They can just take really good notes and they can teach what they've been taught in here. So I think that's a good way. It's going to make it a little bit easier for folks back there teaching. So I want you guys to know that that's something we're doing a little bit different. So we've been in the book of Daniel. We're going to be in chapter 2 today. Um, and, And I could not help but to think about when I was in Haiti... Uh, this was the very first time I went to Haiti. Um, we actually, one of the things that we were doing there is we were traveling around to different schools and we were teaching Bible lessons in the school. So they would let you go in and they would let you teach Sunday school lessons, if you will. They would let you sing praise and worship music in uh, the schools. It was really cool. Uh, most, of the, uh, most of the schools in Haiti are actually run by the church. That's actually where uh, the schools come from, is actually come from the church. So that's that's one of the ways that they actually teach their kids. So it was really cool being in there. And we, did, we had a guitar, and actually for our drum, instead of a cajon, which you played like this, we actually had a, uh, it was a cooler is what we were playing on. They were like, that was our drum, was playing on a cooler. So, but I remember walking in there the very first day, and I was thinking, man, I'm in a different place. These, these kids, they speak French Creole. They, you know, they're just completely different. They're not going to know what I'm saying. How am I going to be able to communicate with them? I've told you this story before probably. But I walk into the very first school, and the very first kids I, that I lay eyes on, I'm just like, I'm going to communicate with this kid. And, you know, he and I are going to connect, you know. And I do like this to give him a high five because I think, you know, I can't speak his language. So that's the only thing that I can do to communicate with him. I do like this to give him a high five. He looks up at me. He gives me a high five. He said, what's up, buddy? I thought, the Lord has spoken. I now can speak French Creole. That is amazing. I did not know that I could do that, man. I am interpreting right here on the fly. He did. He looked up at me plain as day and goes, what's up, buddy? I was like, wow. So maybe I'm not too far from home after all, you know. But one of the things, I thought this was really crazy. One of the things that we did while we were there uh, we had coloring sheets for them, and we were teaching Bible lessons. We actually taught out of the book of Daniel. That's the reason I'm telling you this story, because it kind of connects. But uh, one of the things that happened there, and I thought this was weird, is that I was talking to my interpreter, and there were these little kids. They were like kindergartners, first graders, you know, and I was teaching them a lesson about Daniel, and I, I started talking about Daniel in the lion's den. 
And uh, my interpreter pauses, and I'm like, what's going on, man? He and I were pretty close. I love this guy to death. He and I, you know, really got to know each other over the week. And he looks at me, he goes, they don't know what a lion is. I'm like, really? They don't know what a lion is? And then I got to thinking, I mean, unless it's in books or something like that, I mean, they aren't like watching National Geographic on TV. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't have access to all the stuff that we have access to. They're not going to zoos and seeing lions. I mean, like, these little kids did not know what a lion was. And that was a very eye-opening experience for me when I thought about, man, these are five, six, seven-year-old kids, and they have never seen a lion. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there going, dude, I don't know what you're going to do. I mean, like, there's a picture of it on the coloring sheet. Let's try that, you know. So he starts talking to him in, in, in French Creole, and he starts, um, like, trying to explain what a lion is. And he shows him the picture, and then he goes like this. He goes, rawr, like that. That's how he describes it, rawr, like that. Y'all, I will never forget as long as I live. There's this little kid right dead in front of me. When that guy went rawr like that, his eyes just about popped out of his head. He went like this. I mean, he was shaking. He was so scared when that guy went rawr like that. He was just sitting there just shaking. It was so funny. I mean, I felt bad for the kid, but it was hilarious. And I will never forget the look on that kid's face when he actually figured out what a lion was. And that, <laughs> that interpreter goes, rawr. That was how he described it. So anyway, so we, we ended up teaching about Daniel and the lion's den and all of that kind of stuff. And, and what I told you last week is that I want you to understand that, um, you know, the time that we're, we're in right now, Daniel is, is still a young guy. Um, you know, he's still 13, 14, 15 years old. I know that Daniel in the lion's den, you always think of the color and sheets. He's got a long gray beard and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I got that. But the time that we're actually in, in Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 2, he's still like a teenager. He's a young guy. So when you think about the boldness that Daniel has and the fact that Daniel is, continues to do the right thing, continues to live passionately for God, I want you to think about how young he is. This is a big deal. Um, young people a lot of times think that, you know, they really can't do much for God. They really can't make an impact on this world for the kingdom of God. And, and my challenge to you is, well, look at Daniel. Look what he did. And he, all he did was remain faithful to God. All he did was he was taken into captivity, which, by the way, I'm going to show you a picture of that in just a second. Taken into captivity, taken away from his homeland, taken away from his parents. And they were training him up, teaching him the ways of the Babylonians. And they were kind of training him up to be a leader of his people that were in captivity. He was to eat from the king's table. And we talked about that last week, how he refused to do that. And, and how he stood boldly for his position in his relationship with God and said, I'm not going to do that. God's word said that I'm not supposed to. Therefore, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to compromise my relationship with God, even if it means eating from the king's table. And we talked about that last week. But I want you to think about this, the fact that this is a teenager. And he is standing up against kings. Kings who could have his head taken off at any point in time. He is standing up against them. And he is standing boldly because of his relationship with God. And he is a teenager. Okay? Remember that when we're talking about that today. So, so we're talking about a time period. This is between 605 B.C. and 535 B.C. This is before Christ. About five, six hundred years before Christ. And... Uh, Israel, the nation of Israel, has sinned against God. They're in terrible idolatry. They're worshiping other gods and like doing everything wrong. So God allows them to be taken into captivity. Let's put that picture up on the screen. Brett, I actually got a laser pointer. I was playing with a band earlier. 
I had a laser pointer, and you know what happens when you put a laser pointer in the hand of a kid, you know. Oh, no. This is working. Okay. So here's the place that we're talking about. Oh, it's not working. You can't really see it. Anyway, so you can see, you see Canaan over here. That's where Jerusalem is. This is where the Israelites came from. And then you see, it says Babylonia over here. You can see that in the contrasting picture over here. I, I wanted to show this because I wanted you to know where it is in today's world, okay? So you can see that, that Babylon is actually in Iraq. So there's a city of Babylon, then there's a province of Babylon. So I want you to know that Daniel is in the city of Babylon inside the province of Babylon. So when you read the book of Daniel, you kind of have to understand that sometimes it's talking about the city, sometimes it's talking about the whole province. So uh, the green area is kind of showing the Babylonian Empire at that point in time. Um, this is not exactly accurate for where Daniel was, but this is close. So I just wanted to kind of show you this is what we're talking about. So the distance between where he was and where his home was is about 500 miles. If you were to walk that, you can imagine that's going to take you more than about 10 or 15 minutes, right? So 500 miles away from home, and he is, he is there in, in captivity, and he's you know, answering to the king. That's basically where we are, right? So Daniel's in captivity, him and uh, his, his three boys. Now, everybody knows them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? But we said that that's the names that the Babylonians gave them. What, what were their Israelite names? Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, right? right Willie, Willie had those memorized, didn't he? Yeah. Willie told me he was going to memorize those. Now, he he kind of fell short on that this week, but anyway, we talked about that earlier. Um, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So that was their names, but when they got taken into captivity, they were given Babylonian names that reminded them of Babylonian gods. Their names actually had Babylonian gods in their names. So every time they, they heard somebody say their name, they had to think of a Babylonian god. That was one of their ways of kind of keeping them under control, keeping them under their rule. Believe it or not, Daniel... Uh, actually had a name, too, that was given to him. Uh, it was Belshazzar, which was his name that was given to him, too. So anyway, he, also, he refers to himself as Daniel in, a lot of, in this book, but a lot of times uh, you will also see Belshazzar kind of re referenced, too, and I want you to know it's the same person. So anyway, I want you to know that, that what had happened here in chapter 1, we're going to take a running start at chapter 2, is that um, is that the, the king has, has ordered them to, to eat from, their, from his table. They've said no. They challenge him, say, you know what? We're going to eat our food, do our things. We're going to remain strong. And if we do, then we're going to do our thing, and you just be okay with that. So it, it, it basically works out for them. God honors their, their devotion to him. And what happens is, is that they remain strong. And then what, what happens, they continue to grow in wisdom and judgment, and they are more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in the entire kingdom of Babylon. It says, Daniel remains in the royal service until his first year of the, king, uh, the reign of King Cyrus. We'll talk about King Cyrus as we go through this book. But right now, they're, they're under King Nebuchadnezzar. They continue to grow in wisdom, and they're ten times smarter than all the other like wizards and enchanters and all that kind of stuff. They're ten times smarter than all of them. So they're like way up there. They're in a prominent role in the kingdom. So in chapter 2, I'm going to kind of read fast, so keep up with me if you can. One night in the during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such a disturbing dream that he couldn't sleep. He called them as magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he demanded to tell them that he had a dream. 
As soon as they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that, that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. The astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, saying, Long live the king. Tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I am serious about this. If, I don't, if you don't tell me what the dream is about and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be torn down in heaps of rubble. But if, if you tell me what I have dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. So... The king has a bad dream, right? Now, you have to understand, in Babylonian times, this was a big deal. They were all about their dreams. They actually had books written about, if you have this dream, this is what it means, okay? They would, like, write it down. They had books and books and books about the Babylonian dreams and what they meant. So this was a big deal to them. When they had a dream, they paid attention to it. The king has got, he's had a bad dream. The weird thing is, is that he, he has a bad dream, and either he can't remember it, or he's not willing to tell his guys what the dream was about. Whatever the case, he's like, all right, guys, here you are. Tell me what I dreamt about and what it means. Now, I think this is funny. Because these guys are supposed to be supernatural in their powers, right? They're supposed to know all kinds of stuff. That's like going into a palm reader, and she goes, what's your name? And you go, well, you tell me. You know, right? <laughs> now, look, I was in college, too, and, and I've been to palm readers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they all say the same thing. Who's the one in the blue car? You know? And I said, well, I was here last week, and you asked me who was the one in the black car. I thought I was supposed to be on the lookout for my buddy that was in the black car, not the blue car. Now you're telling me i got to be worried about my guy that was in the blue car. So anyway, yeah, so that, all that stuff, palm readers, fortune tellers, all that stuff is nothing more than just means of, of, of Satan trying to enter into your life and trying to give you stuff that ain't true. Even so far as your astrological sign or whatever that junk is, I happen to know that I'm an Aries. I don't know what that means, really. To me, that means that I was born in April. Okay, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what else that means. I don't know who I'm compatible with based on that. I, I really, honestly, I don't even know what sign that is. I, I don't know what the picture is. I don't know if that's a goat or a scorpion or a lion. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I, I mean, I think I was born in the year of the snake, by the way. I think that's the Chinese thing, you know. But, but anyway, so people, people will stake their lives on this stuff, man. They will go like, I can't date him. He's a Scorpio. And I'm like, a What? He's a scorpion? Yeah, I wouldn't date him either. <laughs> Heck no, I ain't dating no scorpion. They're like, no, no, he's a Sagittarius. A Sagittarius what? I mean, I don't understand. And people will read their horoscopes. I look, I, look I, I eat fortune cookies. I read my fortune. Okay, I, I'm still waiting on the money to roll in from what they told me like two weeks ago. My fortune, my fortune told me. That like I was going to write a book or something, and I was going to start getting royalties from it or something. I mean, like it, I'm still waiting on it. You know what I mean? Like I, that stuff is garbage. You know, I, I understand opening up your fortune cookies, and, and you got to realize that's just for fun. That's you laugh at it, fine, whatever. But people will read their, their horoscopes in the newspaper and, and like try to live their lives by it or let that affect them. It will literally affect how they live their lives. You're going to have a bad day today. You're going to have a good day today. And they will let that affect their mind. Man, that's just like what Nebuchadnezzar was doing. You know what I mean? Like, like it's just going you know, to affect his whole day, his whole outlook, everything about him, you know? And he would depend on these astrologers, these, the, the, these magicians, these enchanters to kind of tell him what was going on in his whole life. 
to look into the future. You know that that's not possible, right? There's only one that knows the future, and he ain't on this earth. He ain't on this earth. So if you keep trying to go to somebody or read some article or something like that to try to find out your future, good luck. The only thing you're going to find is demonic influence. That's the only thing you're going to find. And I need to say that because there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I go and I read those things, and yeah, I don't really let it bother me, but... And then you'll hear them talking about who they're compatible with and, and all this kind of stuff, their sign. and who they're. I'm like, well, you said you're not going to let this affect you, but yet it's affecting like everything about you. You know, I'm, I don't understand. But here, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's, he calls in his boys. He says, all right, tell me what I dream. Tell me what it's about. And then he goes so far as to say, if you don't tell me, then I am going to have you torn limb from limb. I'm going to cut you into pieces if you don't tell me what the dream was about and you don't tell me what I dreamt about. Uh, can you imagine those guys? Can you imagine the huddle they got going on over there? Hey, guys. I don't know what y'all are thinking, but uh, we need to come up with something. We need to come up with something fast, you know? Anybody got any ideas? Anybody feeling anything? What are you feeling? What do you think the king dreamt about? Anybody know what he ate last night? You know what I mean? Like, like let's, let's talk about this a minute. Let's see if we can figure this thing out. And, and, of course, they always start with, long live the king, you know. We love you, buddy, you know. He says, just tell me what the dream and what it means. They said again. So they come back to him again. Please, your majesty, tell us the dream. <laughs> and we will tell you what it means. They're like, just give us a hint, just a tiny little clue about what the dream was, and, and then we'll, we'll interpret it for you. But if you keep us in the dark, it's really going to be hard for us to tell you what the dream's about. Just tell us. The king replied, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know I am serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind, but tell me the dream or I... Or I and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. Ooh. Ooh. You know what I think is interesting here? I really think that the king is actually doubting their abilities. You know? This wicked king is actually pointing out that, that what they say they can do, they really cannot do. They really cannot do. And I think that it's interesting here that, that, that people in today's time, they're looking for anything and everything to find power, to find something that can help them. I mean, when you're looking to the newspaper to try to figure out what to do with your life, that's a problem, y'all. That's a problem, y'all. And people are looking for anything and everything to try, to try to go and find power and direction and motivation and all these kinds of things. If you go to the self-help section of the bookstore, you go down to Second and Charles, man, that, it is lined with books that will tell you how you can be better, act better, act better feel better, all these kinds of things. You, you will find tons and tons of information that will tell you about that. You know why? It's because people are looking. They're hungry. Desperate, something has got to help me. Something has got to put this at ease. I've got this something inside of me that this this has got to come out and is is eating me alive on the inside. And that is exactly where Nebuchadnezzar is. 
Yeah, I think it's about this dream, but I think it's a whole, a whole part of who he is that's going on at this particular time. He's just being eat alive on the inside going, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going on. I need to know what's going to happen. And people are constantly, even in this day and age, they're constantly looking for answers, looking for ways, looking for something to try to help them out. And we're going to find out where the help comes from. We're going to find out what the real answer is. And God's going to show us that. He's using this wicked king to actually point it out. He says, you're stalling. You know how serious I am. He says, tell me the dream. Then I, if you can tell me the dream, then I'll know you can tell me what it means. But if you can't tell me the dream itself, how am I going to know that what you're saying is true? That's just like, that's just like the palm reader you go into. She says, hey, what's your name? You go, you tell me. You tell me. How is she supposed to tell your future? She can't even tell you your name. The astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king this dream. Amen. Amen. No one on earth. Absolutely right. Straight out of the, the mouths of the enchanters and the astrologers, no one on earth can tell you this dream or what it means. No one on earth. You're exactly right, you idiot. You have spoken truth and you didn't even know it. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing from any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No, no, no one except the gods can tell you your dream. And they do not live here among people. Amen. Amen and amen. The, the, the ones that live amongst the people, they're not really God. They're not really God. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered all the wise men in Babylon to be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent out to find Daniel and his friends. Now, I want you to understand something. Daniel and his friends were in this group. It says that they were smarter than all the other magicians and enchanters in the entire kingdom. So they... I, I want you to understand, because they had great wisdom, they had said, you know what, we're going to put you in this group with the other enchanters and, and magicians and astrologers, because in Babylon, all they know is they've got great wisdom, so they're just going to put them over there in the same group, okay? They're just going to put them over there because they're, they're, they're a lot smarter than everybody else. They don't know what to do with them necessarily, so they put them over there. Well, the problem is when the king says, hey, off with all their heads, I'm tired of their junk. I'm tired of fooling around with them. They don't know what they're talking about. Whatever it is they're saying, it ain't true. And he says, off with their heads. Daniel and his boys, they're in that group. They're in that group. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Now I want you to know something. This is what a person who is connected with God, this is what they do. This is a person who knows that God's hand is in every single situation, that God is sovereign of the entire universe, that God has got everything within his control, that you don't have to worry so much. What I see so many times is people that call themselves Christians, call themselves connected with God through Christ Jesus. When something happens, you know what they do? They wig out. They don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, I can tell you this. I know exactly what's going to happen. 
No matter what happens physically to me on this earth, ultimately I will stand in the presence of my God in a relationship with him through Christ Jesus. Therefore, I have nothing to be worried about. I see so many people wigging out, freaking out about this and that, and I'm like, man, Daniel right here, you know what he does? He has a conversation. He's pretty calm. He says, he asked Ariok, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Ariok told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah what had happened. And he urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Do you have something in your life that seems like a catastrophe waiting to happen? Do you have something in your life and you're like, man, I have no power over this. This looks like it's an insurmountable challenge. This looks like I'm going to be crushed. This looks like it's not going to be good for me. And maybe you've even wigged out about it. Maybe it's even terrified you to some degree and you just, you're like, I don't know what to do and it just scares me to death and I'm shaking to my core. Let me ask you this. Have you done what Daniel did? Have you been like Daniel? This teenage boy? You know what he did? He had a conversation with with the the, king, or the king's right-hand man in his guards, and he says, hey, what happened, man? And, and Ariot goes, yeah, well, this is, this is what went down. And he just has a conversation with him, opens up with a conversation. And he tells him, he says, all right, well, I'm going to go talk to the king. He's, <laughs> he's not shaken. He's not terrified. He's not worried about what's going to happen. You know why? Because he knows who's in control. He knows who has the king's very life within his hands, and it's no one in this earth. It's the one true God that he serves. It's the one true God that he's been faithful to and connected to. Therefore, he has no reason to worry. So all he does is go, he goes and talks to the king and says, give us a little more time. I believe that we can interpret this dream. Hey, you've categorized us as one of your wise men. That's fine. That's cool. We can do it. Just give us some time, okay? What confidence he has in his God. And what does he do? He gets his guys together. Let's pray. Let's pray. You know what I wish we would do as Christians? I wish that when bad things happen and and calamity strikes and struggles happen, I wish we would have confidence in God and I wish we would get together in our little groups and I wish we would pray and say God we know that you're in control and we trust you no matter what the answer is we trust you that you have this situation within your control therefore we're not worried we just come to you and we ask and we trust just trust and obey right that old song remember that Is that what you see Christians doing most of the time? Or is it something else? Most of the time what I think I see is that um, we try everything within our power to fix the situation first, right? 
Let me run down my checklist of here's the things I can do to make this right. Here's the things that I can do to, to resolve this situation. Let me run down my checklist first. And then at the end of the day, if I think about it, I'll ask God to, to somehow come alongside my plan and resolve the situation the way that I had intended. I, I, you know, if I think about it when I'm in small groups and we're in our prayer time and they got a prayer request, then I'll bring it up at that point in time. You know what I used to say in our, in our uh, Sunday school class uh, when I used to teach the college and career group? You know what I used to say? I used to say this. I used to say, don't you dare bring up a prayer request in our group time that you have not personally prayed about yourself individually. Everybody's like, what? You would be surprised at how many people will bring up a prayer request And more than likely, it's not really a prayer request, but it is gossip or things they just want to say. I have the inside track on this. I know about this. But they have not prayed about about that situation themselves, and yet they want to pray about it in a group setting. And I'm like, why would you want to do that in a group setting, but you won't do it on your own? Is it something that's heavy on your heart? Is it something that's really something that you're passionate about, so passionate about, that you're willing to pray about it on your own? If it's not... And that's not really a prayer request, is it? It's not really a prayer request, is it? Hmm. Well, that'll make you think, won't it? That'll make you think, you know, this evening, small groups, when you're meeting, you say, okay, anybody got a prayer request? Everybody's going to be thinking, huh. I want to make sure I prayed for that before I uh, offered up as a prayer request in our group setting. We tend to run down the checklist. Here's the things that I, I can do. Here's how I can make it work. Man, I wish we would just have confidence in our one true God. The God that created the universe. The God who even brought us into exile, right? So here, Daniel is in exile, taken away from his family, forced to do a lot of stuff he doesn't necessarily want to do, and he's still trusting God. He's not in the best of circumstances necessarily. I know that we think that, yeah, he's connected with the king. Therefore, he he must be living it up and having a good life. But I'm telling you, when you're away from your family, when you're away from everything you know, when you're away from being able to celebrate God the way that you're used to being able to celebrate God, that's a difficult situation. And Daniel's in a difficult situation, and he is still connected with God, trusting God, believing in God, doing the things that God has told him to do. And when something comes up, he remains calm. He talks about it. And then he goes to God with his friends and says, let's pray about this. And then he does one more thing. He does one more thing because, because God speaks to him. God revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then, th- this is something else that Christians forget to do a lot. This is something that I, I teach a lot uh, anytime I have an opportunity uh, within a small group context. I try to teach this a lot. Then Daniel praised God, praised the God of heaven. Do you pause and go and thank God for the prayers that he has answered? Do you pause and say, God, you are in control from the very beginning, and I recognize that, and I just want to say, Praise the name of God. Praise Jesus for what you have done. He said, praise the name of God forever and ever. For he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up 
other kings. He gives power to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things, and he knows what lies hidden in darkness. Though he is surrounded by light, I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king has demanded. We're only going about halfway through this chapter today because I kind of wanted to stop there. I kind of wanted to stop there and, and say this to you. Are you looking anywhere and everywhere for answers instead of looking to the one true God? Are, are you looking for power that's supernatural, but you aren't truly looking to God for that power? Some wisdom, some discernment, but you aren't truly going to God for that. Is that what you're doing today? Or have you taken a moment and have you paused and said, you know what? I know who is in control. I know where I need to go. I know who has the answer. And I know who has my life in his hand. Therefore, I have nothing to worry about. Are you going to God in regular prayer, seeking His power and seeking His wisdom, so that whenever you run into problems, you're already prepared, you're already in tune with His Holy Spirit, so that when He speaks, you're already knowing how to listen to Him. You're already tuned into His voice. You see, that's the problem. I think a lot of times we, we, we get blind to it. And the only time that we, we go to God is when we're in a desperate situation. And then, and then we try to tune into that voice. And are like, is this me? Is this God? I don't really know. Instead of being focused and tuned into God all the time and seeking His power and seeking His face all the time so that we're tuned into His small, still voice so we know that when He speaks, we know who that is. And then we run into trouble. We just go back to that same voice that we already know. Oh, what a comfort it is to know that it's right there. That you don't have to go and find it for the first time. You don't have to go and search it out for the first time. You know that voice. It's amazing how many people that call themselves Christ followers, that call themselves Christians, will look anywhere and everywhere for answers. But they just won't look up. They just won't look up. They'll be so discouraged that their head will be down and they'll cower down to every situation that comes, in, it comes their way and they never will pause to look up and say, I know. I know that no matter what happens here, I know who has my life in his hands. Therefore, I have nothing to be worried about. What situation in your life are you encountering right now? What, what do you got going on? Is it crushing you? Is it bad? Maybe you've been away from God and maybe you're like, I don't even know if I can hear his voice anymore. I don't even know if I, I know what he sounds like anymore. It's been so long. I don't know anymore. And I, I, maybe I, I just need to, you know what, tune into that voice again and get close to God again. The good news is he's not very far away. And he wants to talk to you more than you want to talk to him. He wants you to hear his voice. He really does. He wants you to listen to Him. He wants you to trust Him. 
His greatest pleasure and His greatest joy is when you put your trust and your faith in Him. You know how you do that? You do that through your eternity. You put your ultimate faith and trust in Him through your eternity, and you do that through His Son, Jesus Christ. He sacrificed His Son so that you might have eternal life, that you can spend eternity with Him. You can spend forever in His presence. And He just, He says, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me that the way I did this was through my Son. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you realize, you know what? I've never put my faith and my trust there. I can't hear his voice because I've never put my trust in it. Maybe today is the day that you want to do that. Maybe today, maybe it's just as simple. Maybe you just want to say thank you. Maybe you just want to fall down on your face and say, you know what, God, there's a lot of things that you've done and I've never said thank you for them. You don't have to do that at this altar. You can do it at your chair. Doesn't matter where you do it. What matters is that you do it. Will you respond to God? Will you listen to his voice now as he's talking to you? Will you not dismiss it? Will you not play it off and be like, ah, this is just something. It's just an emotion that's washing over, over me. Will you take a moment to trust it and believe that it's real and listen to his voice while he's speaking? Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for this word. And I thank you for the fact that you speak to us. That you don't leave us alone. That you don't leave us in the place that we're in. God, that you remind us that we can be trusted. That, you can, that we can trust you, God. That we can put our faith and our trust in you for every single thing, God. Most importantly, God, we can trust you with our salvation, with our eternity. We can do that through your son, Jesus. Not right now, I know that you're speaking to people and your Holy Spirit is impressing things upon their heart. God, maybe ways that they haven't trusted you in the past or maybe things in their their life, God, that they know just need to be purged. Whatever the case may be, God, I pray that they would trust you now. God, there's some people, and they realize for the first time ever how there's so many things that they just never pause to say thank you for. Maybe they just need to do that today. Maybe they need to draw close to you by just saying thank you. Whatever the case, I just pray that your people would be obedient. God, I pray that you would open up hearts, open up lives. God, continue to work. God, as we sing your praises, as we just lift up the name of Jesus, God, I just pray that you're glorified right now as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone stand?